Welcome to Autism Thinks. This podcast is hosted by the New Jersey Autism Center of Excellence, where we bring together the neuroscience, technology, and innovation to a soundscape that'll change your perspectives on all things autism and the world around us. Just one episode at a time. Hey there, it's Hannah here, and I hope you're doing well and keeping safe. This is the Empowering Voices series, where we focus on the importance of diversity and representation in STEM fields. So get ready to be inspired and empowered for the change we wish to see in the world. My favorite quote would be, and it really is the mantra that I live my life by, is that everything happens for a reason and a season. So I, I really believe that as much as this has been an unfortunate season, that it, it too will come to an end and that people will grow from it, will learn a lot from it. You know, as a collective, as a community, I hope it brings us together more. I think that You know, Western civilization has a very deeply rooted idea of I and self and not of we and us. And I hope that, you know, that can kind of shift Um, culturally. I hope that we we look at the we and the us more and how things like this will impact we and us, not just me and myself and I. So I, I really think that that is a reason and a season. And I hope that this season is coming to an end quickly. But I'm, I know that the reasons behind it will be impactful and important. Seasonal changes can be difficult, and difficult times can often seem like they'll last forever. But today, our guest reminds us that each worldly challenge you face is grounded by reason, and that eventually, this too shall pass. Her incredible story is a testament to this. Meet Christina Wilson. Hi, I'm Christina Wilson. I am a rising senior at Rutgers. I am a psychology and cognitive science double major with a minor in linguistics. Christina transferred to Rutgers University, New Brunswick in the fall of 2017. She planned to study biology and physics, but when that wasn't able to work, she soon turned towards exploring other fields in the sciences. And it's during this exploration where she discovered her passions for psychology and cognitive neuroscience. So I transferred to Rutgers the fall of 2017 um, from a community college not far from my um, hometown. And I originally transferred as a physics and biology double major. Um, Obviously, that didn't stick. Um, For anybody that goes to Rutgers, you know that that's just not a feasible thing to do, really. So I decided to, like halfway through my first semester, go as unclared or undeclared um, for my major and just kind of explore what I wanted to do. Um, I took some psych courses and I really, really liked abnormal psychology. So like 
I was like, oh, well, I think I like the psych department, but I started looking at my credits because I had already transferred over some physics and some biology credits. And one of the advisors said, well, we have this new department that's just starting this fall um, called cognitive science. It's going to become a major, but it was our minor at one point. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I might as well take a class and see if I like it. And it stuck. So that's, you know, how I kind of ended up in the field of study that I'm in now. And while I was in my abnormal psych class, I joined a study group to kind of like work on, you know, extra assignments. And one of the members of our study group is also a member of the lab under Dr. Torres. And at the time he was like, oh, do you want to come see my new work study? Like come with me to meet everybody. I'm going. And I was like, sure, why not? Like I'm a new student. I don't really know my way around. Why not? I have time. And I met Dr. Torres. And at the time I didn't know who she was or what she did or anything about her. I just saw somebody sitting while I was waiting for him to finish, you know, paperwork and stuff like that. And I started chatting with her about being a transfer, being new at Rutgers and, you know, some of my interests. And it just clicked. And she was like, oh, reach out to my lab manager. At the time, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't really know anything about research, but I did. And it was such a great decision. Um, I've been at the lab since the spring of 2018, and I've loved every minute of it. Going back to her story, there were a lot of hurdles Christina had to overcome in achieving her college education. One of them was realizing how higher education could be pursued, and how she could channel her interests in science towards a career. So I definitely think one of the biggest hurdles that I faced at the very beginning, and that I realized is kind of becoming a reoccurring thing now that I'm looking to transition to graduate school, is I came from a community in a high school where I wasn't really taught about higher education. Um, it's not really expected, I guess, that people go on to college and pursue like research or anything like that. So one of the biggest obstacles was just trying to figure out and understand what it meant to do research, what it meant to be at a research institution and like how all of that worked. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't know who Dr. Torres was when I met her. So I had no idea like what her lab was about or what that even meant. Um, so when I Googled her the first time, I was like blown away to see, you know, all of her accolades and everything she had done. But that also, you know, was a moment where I was kind of a taken back because it was like, I had no idea what being a researcher and having that kind of career and those kind of accolades meant. And now that I'm looking to take the next step into graduate school and I want to pursue research in academia, I'm kind of once again, trying to reevaluate what all that means. I think not having the exposure to those kinds of resources early on has definitely been a hurdle and one that I really and passionate about kind of debunking for other people. Like I want other people with my background to understand that this is a career field and that it is, you know, like an opportunity that exists. You don't just have to, if you like science and math, you don't just have to be a doctor. Like that's not the only option. And the ability to demystify the different career paths and STEM fields for her peers was her biggest motivation in following her dreams. In carving out a career, she is also able to be a role model for her family and community. I think in not having that exposure, I really want to carve out a path for other people like me to follow. So I am a middle child. I have an older brother who does not have a college degree. He did some college, but it wasn't really for him. And I have a younger brother who is, as of this week, starting his second year of college. And... 
a lot of my motivation is giving him an example to see what it looks like to finish college. Um, I'm a first generation college student. I am the example for him, but I'm also the example for a lot of other people in my community who look like me. So really carving out a path for them to follow in and, you know, being able to be an example for them to see, look, this is possible and this is how you go about it is important to me. And, you know, a lot of that journey is building resources and making connections and getting to know people and getting opportunities to talk about my story and learn other people's stories so that I can help people when I hear something familiar. In becoming the inspiration for others in our community, she says having mentors and professors to guide you towards your career is incredibly important. Being able to talk to Dr. Torres about my story has been a really big step because I realize we have a, we share a lot of similarities and things that we've overcome. So it's easy to go to her and say, you know, I don't know how to do this or I don't even know how to start asking questions about, you know, graduate applications being an example of something I didn't recently understand. And I didn't really know how to ask questions about it, but I was able to kind of like speak to her and say, how do I even start this? How do I go about it? And, you know, being able to have that example and have those resources for other people after me is important to me, I think. So if we needed to go back in time to where Christina's curiosity for psychology and cognitive science was peaked, we'd probably be entering a large classroom. It was sensation and perception, a class that explores how we sense and perceive the world around us. It looks at the dynamics between the physical input of our environment to our bodily senses and the perception of the sensory input, usually encoded by our nervous systems. I think the class that really changed my perception about the sciences and how I wanted to tackle them was my sensation and perception class. Highly, highly recommend the class. It's so fantastic. It's just really interesting to learn about. But also it gave, in terms of the bigger picture, it gave me an opportunity to consider what hard sciences really looks like. You know, you you hear hard science and you think physics, you think biology, you think chemistry, but you don't think psychology. Most people would think that's a soft science, if science at all, but there's parts of that that really do require hard science. And I think sensation and perception gave me an opportunity to combine those things that I loved about hard sciences when I came in as a physics bio major and take them and utilize them with things that I was passionate about, like the psychology field. So it really gave me an opportunity to kind of carve out a major that was my own and an idea about, you know, how I wanted to go forward, what I wanted my career, you know, to look like and everything beyond just my undergrad studies at Rutgers. So I think that class was really transformative for, you know, me deciding how I was gonna go forward in my education. I'm technically a neuroscience is my discipline in COGSI, and I wanna do like a cognitive psychology program for graduate school because of my experience with sensation and perception. And you know, that, that class really did change the way I thought about how people think and the field of cognitive science. In the past few months, We've seen how the George Floyd protests and the Black Lives Matter movements helped channel the much-needed energy towards reform in creating systems in society that promote racial equity. At Rutgers, like many other institutions in the U.S., there is a lot of discussion on how this systemic injustice can be resolved. This was seen in President Jonathan Holloway's recent message to the community. 
As much attention as this pandemic requires, we are also living in a moment of global racial reckoning, a development born of tragedy, willful ignorance, and grotesque violence. These developments present us with an opportunity to work toward a world where phrases like social justice and Black Lives Matter are understood not as assault on the common good, but as declarations that we should be a country that lives up to the aspirations in its founding documents. Getting to that point will also require repair and rebuilding. The good news is that Rutgers has the ingredients to succeed in the face of these challenges. I'm certain of this. As a student at Rutgers, Christina talks about what we might be missing in our discussions and actions in moving toward racial equity and inclusion. I think that's a bit of a double-edged sword. I think, yes, absolutely, there are things that are missing. But I think the first step was even being able to have these conversations out in the open, because I don't think Rutgers really created a space for its Black students to have these kinds of conversations with administration and bring up their frustrations in a way that the students were really being heard. So I think that was like the first hurdle um, in the conversation. But now that the conversations are being had, yes, I do still think there are parts that are missing because I think some of the nuances, every Black student at Rutgers isn't the same. We have an incredibly vast population of you know students from across the African diaspora. So all of our experiences are not the same. I am, you know, historically a Black American. My parents are from here. My grandparents are from here and my great grandparents are from here. I am a descendant of slaves. So my experience is not going to be the same as somebody who may be from the Caribbean or maybe from continental Africa. Our experiences are very different and what we want and like the goals that we may have may on the surface all look the same, but they have very different nuances to the administration. And I think one of the biggest things that needs to happen is being able to talk about those nuances with the administration and have them actually understand what that means, whether that means bringing in, you know, more people of color to better understand the nuances, people from different parts of the diaspora. But I do think that that is the next step in this conversation is to really delve into how to address the issues of everybody that's Black and not just assume that Black is a generalized label and we all want the same things or need the same things from Rutgers. I am the biggest advocate for demystifying the sciences and math. I think that a lot of people from my community that look like me, the idea is you become a doctor, you become a lawyer. Um, Nobody is really talking about what is all encompassed in the sciences. Uh, There's a population that, you know, want to become engineers as well. But like nobody's looking at what all is entailed in the sciences and how it looks to go into industry versus go into academia. And I think that if we can demystify that, it helps to level the playing field for, you know, Black people and give them an opportunity to explore lucrative career options and interesting and diverse educational options beyond what, you know, you see now. I sit in my COGSI classes and most of the time I'm one of maybe two, if that, Black women in the room and definitely one of two Black people just in general. There's very rarely any Black males in the room. So I really think that giving people from my community an opportunity to see what value the sciences have beyond I want to be a doctor, I want to be an engineer is important. And I think that if Rutgers can provide, if Rutgers can first understand that they have incoming students who are unaware 
of these fields and unaware about how to operate in these spaces and then provide them assistance in figuring out how to move in these spaces, in figuring out how to, you know, get into research, how to find a, a academic mentor who can teach you about their field. Once Rutgers can provide that to Black students, I think they'll have an easier time, you know, taking advantage of what is available at Rutgers. few months, parts of the Northeast United States, including New Jersey, had been devastated by torrential rainfall, fallen trees, and power outages in the wake of storms from Hurricane Isaias. In a community that relies on agriculture and farming, the destruction from natural disasters are even more apparent. I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. I've lived in the Pine Barrens my whole life, and we've never really had bad storms like this up until recently as climate change has gotten worse we've had you know hurricane sandy then hurricane irene destroyed our town this last hurricane destroying i see how the ecosystem changes here and like this is i live right on like the last part of land that's developed before the protected part of the pine barrens where they can't really build so like walk the trails out here and stuff and you can see how the ecosystem changes and like how stuff is affected and i just can't believe our economy is affected by it because a lot of the people in my town are farmers or like work Mm -hmm. for like the cranberry like industry and stuff like that i'm incredibly proud of my community and seeing what you know has come out of the pandemic i see things like people who have gardens putting out fresh produce and just giving them away to people who are in need of it at this time. I see things like people giving out children's toys or making lunches and, you know, allowing people who are in need to pick them up. And I think that stuff like that is incredibly, like, important. And I'm just so thankful to see that, you know, good did come out of this pandemic. And I, I, I hope that other towns are having the same impact and, you know, choosing to do the same things. Another crisis this past year has, of course, been the pandemic. Being a senior in college, Christina also discusses how this year of classes will be different and even a little interesting. The pandemic has been, for me personally, a roller coaster ride. Coming back home, you know, for me was a good experience and a bad experience. I absolutely love being at home with my parents. I'm super close with my brothers. So being able to be in this space and have access to them being at home has just been great. That being said, I am the president of my chapter on campus of my sorority. So I'm, I'm a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, and I currently am the president of the Gamma Kappa chapter. Trying to do that from home, trying to hold that position from home is a feat in and of itself. Um, Trying to get that many people on board and motivated to work from home has been super hard. Uh, I think not having access to the lab has been, you know, something that's really affected me. I really enjoy, you know, engaging with people at the lab. It's like, uh, not only is it like work, but it's a social outlet for me. So like 
not having access to that, not being able to see people around the lab and stuff like that has been draining as well. I, I miss it very much. Um, I miss, you know, all of the participants and just engaging with people. Uh, I just miss being on campus. I had an on-campus job. Didn't think I would miss that. I miss <laughs> that too. Like, I, I really didn't expect any of it. And I think it was a really somber moment to experience knowing that the fall semester of my senior year, I won't be back on campus. So that's mm -hmm. no fall homecoming. That's no fall move-in. That's no involvement fair. That's no, like, there's just a lot of opportunities and things that as a transfer, I didn't really access the first year that I was at Rutgers because transfer, you just, you don't know about it. You don't know that things happen. You don't know people at those events. So you have no reason to go. And then, you know, my second year at Rutgers, I finally got to enjoy them. Now here we are. I won't have them due to the pandemic. And so it's just been, it's definitely been a transition. It's not my favorite decision, but you play the cards you're dealt. So yeah, the pandemic has been nothing short of a roller coaster. incredible episode, Christina leaves us with some words of wisdom for other students from underserved communities who would like to pursue a field in STEM. Thank you so much for listening to the Autism Things podcast. We hope you'll take on the opportunity to follow your own passions in the sciences, despite how rigorous it's often deemed to be. My first bio class at Rutgers, they're like, so most of you won't be here at the end. You won't still be in the department at the end of this. I was one of those people that was not still in the department at the end of it. But I think the experience was invaluable. That's why I say, even if it's not your most interesting thing, it you're going to learn from it and grow from it. I think the number one thing that I would say is please don't shy away from it. I, I think you're going to hear a lot of you're going to hear a lot of horror stories. You're going to hear about people who were like, oh, this college math class was so scary and so hard, or this science class was so difficult and just don't take it if you don't have to. But that's not true. Take it if you're interested. Take it if you have the time and the opportunity. Take it even if you think you're not interested, but you still have the time and the opportunity. Because those are going to be the places you grow in. You're going to find a niche space for yourself, especially if you already like science and math. And you're going to flourish as soon as you find that niche and you figure out where, you know, your path in all of it is. There is such a need for, you know, other black and brown people to be in the sciences and in the math, um, you know, field. And I just don't want to see other people turned away by the horror stories of statistics was so hard or chem, you know, chem two was the most difficult class I ever took. It may have been difficult for that person, but if you already enjoy science and math, buckle up. You're you're ready. It's it's time. It's okay. I think that they should really explore it more 
And yeah, just don't shy away from your own interests.